everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Talking Pigs podcast. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, also with our co-hosts, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we also have a, a special guest for us today. Um, but uh, first things first, go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Talking Tigs. Uh, we're also on Facebook, uh, Talking Tigs Podcast. A uh, lot to get into, uh, a lot of stuff coming out of camp. Uh, got the season ahead to look forward to, some injuries to to cover. And um, I don't know, the Tigers might have had a... a to bolster that 2020 class even more. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to check in with everybody. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Very good, Scott. Thanks. Sure. And doing good. Yeah. So the little bit of the, uh, the special guest we have today, a lot of LSU fans, especially if you're on Twitter, you'll know Josh LeMoyne at LSU F-Ball Truth. The, uh, I'd say the preeminent at, uh, LSU insider on Twitter. I mean, if, it, if, there's, some, if there's news... Josh has got it before anybody else, and so if you're not following him, if you're not following him, go ahead and give him a follow. Uh, I mean, anytime, anytime there's something big for coming on with LSU or you know a potential commitment or some rumblings on Tiger droppings, I always check uh, Josh's page because his, his Twitter account is page because uh, I mean he's just he's got the best takes. I mean, we uh, I, he's just a great insider. So thanks a lot for being on, Josh. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And one thing about the Tiger Droppings thing, let me say this. A lot of people can't believe it, but I've never been on Tiger Droppings, and I never intend to go on air. Um, people ask me why. It's, it's because um, I like to get the perspective, um, you know, a real respect perspective and not have so many, how do I put this, the rumor mill yeah. affecting thoughts and stuff. So I try to give a good perspective of actually the information I'm getting from maybe, you know, the family, the player, the coaches, so uh, I'm not a Tiger Droppings guy, and a lot of people can't believe that. Well, no, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean you were on Tiger Droppings. Just ex- exactly kind of playing in what you said, like, um, you know, anytime there's something because, like, I mean, you know it, and that's that's why you kind of avoid it. Like, there's so much speculation at all at all times, and so much positivity, negativity. What's this? Oh, change in here. So right, definitely, right. you're a you're a uh, a a you know a surefire voice in in the fray. Uh, that is right. college football recruiting news. <laughs> I, I would call him the Tiger Whisperer. If yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. But um, so Scott, what what are you uh, what are we what are we talking about today? Well, I think uh, we should we should definitely talk about you know the Tigers just got their second scrimmage under the belt. Sounded like the offense outperformed this time. Uh, that's what Coach O said. I tend to believe him. You know, he, he pretty much tells it how it is, uh, for better or worse. Um, but, you know, it's, it, you looked at the numbers from Joe Burrow and Miles Brennan. It didn't, they seemed good, but not great. But uh, I don't know. Is there much stock to put in the Coach O saying the, you know, the offense outperformed? You know, when last week the defense outperformed, even though half the starters weren't there. I mean, it's hard to say exactly. We, we're going into week two of the scrimmages here, and we got the numbers, but uh, it's, it's hard to take away exactly how that's going to transition into the real season because uh, just like last week, a number of notable starters sat out, and we've had some kind of ongoing injuries. But, uh, yeah, both quarterbacks did pretty well, a couple touchdowns apiece, Brent, Burrow and Brennan, and then uh, – John Emery did pretty well running the ball, had 11 carries for 68 yards, so that's a good average for him. But they they set out the starter, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 
so he got to kind of fill that void there. Uh, did you have any thoughts on kind of what went down this past week, Josh? Yeah, you know, when, uh, when, when I see Coach O speak about that stuff, I think it's a little bit of um, character building, too, on his part. You know, he's not going to get out there in front of the media and bash one side of the ball or the other. You know, I, you know that's, that's kind of the angle that most coaches take. He, he wants to make sure the offense knows, you know, that they're doing good, that, that they're hearing it from the coach's mouth, that they're doing good. Same thing on the defensive side of the ball, you know, like you heard last week. So I think a lot of that is uh, scripted type items that he knows through the media that all the guys will listen on all the social media platforms and, uh, you know, just, just keep a positive attitude heading into the season. Well, and especially because the, with the new, the new offense installation and, of course, the, you know, and I, I remember I listened to some of your other podcasts where you talk about, you know, oh, there, there's always the new, oh, this is, the, no, this is the new, new offense. No, this is the new, new, new offense. I, I think you're probably right that they, uh, that he just, you know, he wants, that there's so much, there's always a lot of that negativity about, you know, it, well, there are in so many questions about the offense that anytime you can have the, the head coach put in a lot of, put in a good word in front of the media, like that's going to be a confidence booster. Yes, I, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, yeah, and that's the angle a lot of coaches take at, at this time. You know, we don't want to get anybody in the dumps right now, uh, especially like, like you said, with, with the new offense coming around, you know, we say new offense, we'll see, you know, time will tell. Uh, we've heard that, you know, probably six times over the last 10 years, but you know, that's really the talk of the town. You know, when, when you get out there and in the, you know, in the, in the, in the restaurants and everybody, you know, wants to talk and want to talk Tiger football and that's what they want to, they, they really truly want to see if this is going to be a new offense. And honestly, to me, it's either it has to happen or O will be extremely, extremely on the hot seat if it doesn't happen. Um, just at, because I think most fans have been pretty patient. He goes out and gets Joe Brady from the Saints. Um, it, it's time. You know, it's, it's time for it to happen. It's time for LSU to get in the 21st century. And uh, for some reason, if he backtracks somewhere in week four or week five to that old school type offense, uh, Ed, Ed will be on the hot seat. A- absolutely will be on the hot seat. So one question I've always had, because I, I've been watching, I've been just getting my itch for college football, you know, as as we get as we approach, and so they're showing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of replay games on SEC uh, SEC Network, and there are a lot of great games on YouTube that you can just you know turn on and watch. And it wasn't that long ago that you could play, you know, top like championship caliber football with that ground and pound standard I formation, you know, LSU style offense. Uh, I mean, even even as far back as uh, uh, Alabama's, you know, couple championships with McCarron and uh, uh, what was the other the other quarterback, the one before Jalen Hurts. I, I, anyways, I forget his name. But, no, no, no. The um, when they beat Notre Dame, you know, that was not they were they were not playing. They really didn't have that spread type offense until uh, I guess until Lane Kiffin came. But even when Lynn Kiffin was there, it wasn't what we have now with with Tua. So wh- when did you think? When do you think the, you know, like as you said, the 21st century? When did that kind of? When did that make the ground and pound irrelevant? You know, I think you have to look honestly as a couple of people when it comes up. When Chip Kelly came into to college football, and when he hit the ground running at Oregon, um, I can tell you. When that happened, a lot of people looked at that like a gimmicky type offense, and you know it's it's only for the West Coast, 
And, yeah. you know, at first it was. And then LSU showed Oregon in, a, in that game years back that, hey, you're going to have to have some serious athletes to run that, that crazy offense, uh, you know, against a team like LSU and Alabama. But yeah. what happened is the NFL started to adapt it, and, you know, and then it just over time, you know, a lot of teams just like the concept of putting these guys in space. Um, you know, and like you said, when Elaine Kiffin gets to Alabama and he's got the athletes to run it, that, you know, that's what happened. Steve Sarkeesian um, at Alabama kind of did the same thing. So um, it, it slowly made it, it, its transition. I look at a guy – Johnny Manziel was big, I would say, in the, as far as in the SEC side of the house was, wow, okay, we can run that type of offense in the SEC if we had the athletes to do it. Yeah. So that, and that's where we, that's where we get to, to recruiting and how I guess that was you know, part of the downfall, uh, and should we even say downfall, but the, you know, the, of Les Miles and that he wasn't committed to recruiting the type of athletes that, would, that could run that offense. And so here right. we are with Coach O. Well, then, it, wasn't, we, it, it wasn't for his lack of trying, though, because you remember, uh, at some point, it's like he was just trying to get dual-sport guys in there. And he actually got the number two guy, who I think Brandon Harris was at the time, anyway. You know, it just it, it didn't work out. He didn't work out. Russell Shepard didn't work out. You know, I think it all started with Perilou. I think ever since then, there was just this deficiency there for some reason. But it wasn't for his lack of trying. He just... Uh, I don't know, it's just if it was scheme or the particular athletes, it just wasn't working out. But uh, I think they finally have that guy now uh, with, with Joe Burrow. I don't know how, how he compares to Brennan because O said this week that he thought they were both he, – he had two guys that could go right in there uh, and perform the same way, which I thought was telling because the week before he was saying, yeah, we're just not the same without Joe. But I guess they're, they're more even now. But, uh, you know, it went for lack of trying on Miles' part anyway. Mm-hmm. That's how I saw it. Yeah, to go back to uh, what you were saying about maybe Coach O being on the hot seat after this season, uh, what would you consider like a successful year to be, Josh? We'll say LSU went like ten and two with losses to Texas and Alabama. Would that be a good season or a bad season in your eyes? No, both I, generally and for Coach O. Yeah, I think that's. A, I think that's honestly, if you're looking at it and taking your uh, purple and gold glasses off. You know, I have LSU at 10 wins this season, not including, you know, if we go to the bowl game. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where, honestly, where LSU should be at the end of the year. I think they should be a 10-win team, 11-win team, um, you know, after the bowl win. Now, I've said this on numerous other shows. LSU has the capability and all the potential to be there in the college football playoff. But they're going to have to get elite quarterback play. Joe was good last year, not great. He was solid, you know, but another year under his belt um, with this offense, you bring in a little bit more of a spread, a more RPO offense. Uh, if, if LSU can get some upper-level, higher-level quarterback play, um, then, yeah, LSU could be there. They could win 11 games, maybe just take one loss, either, you know, Bama or Texas, whoever that is, and be there in those final, you know, that last week or two for the college football playoffs. Well, that's interesting you say that uh... – and I, I, I tend to agree, but and I guess there's always been, and, and I think this goes back into the, kind of the um, the conversation we just we just had about the transition of you know kind of the moving into the future of the spread offense to, in the SEC because for the longest time they always said, you know how did how did LSU win in '03 and '07, it, and and then how did Alabama win with McElroy and McCarron and uh, and others was 
they had a they had great running backs, great defense, you know, great athletes, and then they had a quarterback who could manage the game and didn't throw picks. And so now you say, you know, it's going to be elite. It, it, so it's it's that transition now that you need that elite quarterback play. And I guess I mean you see it on the field with uh, you know the battle of uh, last year in the national championship with two elite quarterbacks. I mean, obviously two was great, and Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence looks like he could play. You know, he'd be a top NFL quarterback right now. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really a good point. Uh, Tommy, the, the quarterback you were thinking of, I think, was uh, Jake Coker. He, he transferred from FSU to Bama. Uh, that's, that's probably who that was. Um, but you say, and I agree with you, that the, you know, their success hinges mostly on you know, their quarterback play because I, I suspect the defense is going to be as good, if not better. But um, how much of that quarterback success do you think depends on the O-line because – uh, you know, with the injury to Thomas, you know, we don't know how much he was going to play, but uh, there's other guys that are injured, and, you know, this was an issue last year. I think they had like 106 O-line combinations throughout the year. So how much of uh, Burrow's success or the offense success hinges on having this healthy O-line that we haven't seemed to have been able to start the year off with? Yeah. Um, so when I say elite quarterback play, you know, a lot of people ask me this, well, what about the O-line? They always follow it up with that question. <laughs> you know, and, and no, and it's, they're right. But, you know, and when I say that, I think everybody here understands that you're not going to have elite quarterback play unless you have a good line. And that especially comes on the edges. Last year, where LSU really struggled was at left tackle and right tackle at times. You know, <laughs> Sadiq Charles, at times, he looked great. He looked like the SEC tackle that we want him to be, and then at other times, he just got beat. I mean, he didn't quite have the, the footwork. Um, but if LSU is going to be successful, it's going to be their right tackle and their left tackle being able to give Joe some time to step up in the pack, pocket excuse me, and make some plays. Uh, it, it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. I mean, how, how often do you not you see a, a quarterback that's elite, a Breeze, a Aaron Rodgers, a, a Tom Brady, whoever that might be, if if his offensive line's not playing good. I don't care who you are. If your offensive line's not at least a, a B-minus offensive line, you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. To uh, tie that into some other recruiting news, in the 2020 recruiting class, we actually only have one offensive lineman committed right now, a three-star. Uh, what's your overall impression of the 2020 uh, recruiting class that we got going on right now? I mean, I think it's pretty great. We just got another commitment, which we'll talk about here in a second, but just kind of generally thoughts on for the future of the Tigers. Yeah, as far as the recruiting goes for 2020, you know, I've been, I've been doing this a long time, and, and it, this is one of, one of the most, let me say this, most talented classes that I can, I've seen in the last 20 years. Now, when I say that talented, you know, there's a couple, we need a close strong on the O-line here. You just mentioned we only have one guy committed. LSU needs to close strong here on at least one more tackle. You know, we picked up five linemen last year in the 19 class, which is good. But you see injuries happen. Look at Cardell Thomas. You know, you're already down one guy. Uh, so, you know, if LSU can close strong here with a couple offensive linemen, at least one tackle, uh, this 2020 class will be one for the ages. I mean, it, it honestly is absolutely loaded. Um, so, Coach O is doing some, some tremendous recruiting. Um, I just would like to see them close here with at least w- one more tackle. And, it, and it's really the, the right type of offensive lineman, right, also, where right. The, the, the more athletic type that uh, I've heard you talk about on other, on other shows and, and on Twitter as well, like the real athletic, you know, 
uh, spread type uh, tackles and guards. Right. No, no, you're you're 100 right. So a lot of people think of Les Miles, and it was what really got Les Miles over time was his concept of offensive alignment, and he couldn't grow with the ages like you guys had mentioned earlier. He was trying to trying to take guys that played inside and guard and move and move them out to tackle, which you know, in the early 2000s and the late 90s, you could do that with a ground and pound. But Les, Les forgot that as the times change, you know, you have to recruit a different – you almost have to recruit – your tackles almost have to be an extension of a tight end. The guys with, that played some tight end, and those guys got the footwork to be able to move. So that, that's what you're kind of looking for. Yeah, and you nailed it. You know, you, you want your tackles to be able to move. Yeah, that's good. And then – uh, I had mentioned that we got another pickup, so Coy Moore, uh, wide receiver out of Rumble High School in Metairie, just committed to LSU yesterday. That's a pretty big pickup. I think you've kind of been on the trail for him for a while, so that's now four, uh, four-star or better wide receivers for that class, so that's definitely going to be a solid group uh, going forward. I know we've had a fair amount of kind of high-profile wide receiver recruits, and then our passing game has always kind of let them down a little bit, I would say and they haven't always been able to live up to their potential, but that's definitely an exciting acquisition. Well, I know that – I know from – I've got a friend who's a coach at Rummel, and for the for the longest time, you know, and I think you'd reported on this too, that he was uh, pretty pretty highly looking at USC. And, uh, you know, I think he was committed there for a while, and then he decommitted. But um, it's good that he – you know, I, I like that he – you know, switched over to LSU, and uh, I watched him play in person. He's a, he's a very talented kid, and uh, a lot of fun to watch on the field. Yeah, Coy's. You know, he he's going to be a good one. Uh, I, I don't think Coy's going to be a guy that may necessarily steps in and he's a a day one starter. But you know, Jarvis Landry wasn't a day one starter. He played special teams for a couple of years. You know, so it, but uh, th- this is an extremely talented class uh, of wide receivers, maybe the best since Odell and Jarvis. So. Um, it's it's there. The, the talent is there, you know. Uh, and these guys are coming to LSU. For LSU to pull that type of uh, class at wide receiver, and honestly, we truly really haven't seen if they're going to commit to the spread. Just shows you how strong LSU is in the recruiting front. Um, so these guys are seeing something on the whiteboard that Joe Brady's drawing up, saying, "Look, this is what we're going to run now." Um, you just don't pull four top top 50 receivers um, and three of them in the top 20 in, in the nation unless these guys truly believe that you're going to transition to a spread offense. Yeah, and then one thing that would just put an amazing kind of bow on this recruiting class would be the addition of running back Zach Evans, number one in the country out of Houston. We've talked about him on the podcast before, kind of his recruiting progress. I know there's still a few schools in the mix between LSU, Georgia, A&M, and then maybe Texas. A lot of people kind of speculating on him. Do you have any thoughts on where Zach Evans might end up, Josh? Yeah, that's that's. It's going to be a battle down to to the end here. Let me say this about Zach. Um, he's a talented, talented running back. Uh, it's you know, is he a generational running back? Um, I don't think he's a generational type guy like a like a Reggie Bush, a Leonard Fournette, but he is extremely talented. Um, I think LSU is going to be there till the end. I um, got a couple sources last night that said he definitely has LSU in his top, you know, two there at the end. Um, it's it's going to go down the wire as far as him. Now, if LSU can pull him, like like you mentioned, that, that would be, uh, that'd be a, a heck of a pull because I don't think if they don't get Evans to commit, they're going to go ahead and wrap this class up 
without any running backs. Um, yeah, I think they'll go ahead and close the class with probably another tackle and another interior lineman on the defense. Um, Jacoby and Guillory would, would be my guess. Now, uh, I, I, what about uh, – I've heard a little bit about Iverson uh, Celestine, I think, that he's, the, that he's another target kind of like if, if they don't wrap up Zach Evans. Do you, what do you hear about him? No, not – I don't think that's – you know, I mean, there's a lot of rumor mill, but, you know, from what I know, I think, like I just said, I think that's, that's yeah. kind of what, what they're shooting at, man. If there's no Evans, it's a no-go okay. at, at that position. Um, you see a guy like Ashad Clayton, who's uh, another running back from from the state. They're probably going to let him go go ahead and sign with Georgia. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of what I'm hearing. Okay. And so, with and with Emory coming in too, like it's not I, there's not right. is there I would be you know I don't think there's much of a need. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean you, you got to look at it from a a business standpoint. I don't like to say that a lot of times, but look, at the end of the day, these, a lot of these guys are going to end up in the pros or at least that's their goal. Um, yeah. And if you're, if you're a guy like Evans, he looks at it and goes, well, man, they just recruited two top six running backs in America in Emory and Ty Davis. You yeah. know, if Emory ends up being what we think he's going to be and Davis ends up being, you know, and then you got Clyde who's established himself and you got Chris Curry, it's kind of, it might be a, it's not a great move for business, right? So, you know, so he might yeah. be looking at a school more where he, he can get some carries. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't blame him for that. No, no. And that's what, a lot of people get upset and don't understand that side of this. And, you know, people are like, but it's college. No, it's big business. Recruiting is yeah. big business. So, and they have to look at it like that. And I don't blame any of them for making those decisions a lot of times, going to the school, you know, that best works for them. Now, I guess that kind of lends into a question that I've always had. You know, it doesn't seem like, and, I, and maybe this is just because I, fo- I follow LSU recruiting, you know, much more closely than any other schools. Mm-hmm. But it's it always seems to me that, and and we, you know, we always talk about the team in Tuscaloosa. Uh, how how do they how do they recruit differently to where they can tell a guy, yeah, you're going to be in the stable and you're going to and you're going to you know either redshirt or you're going to sit and basically not play. And be a be a third, fourth, fifth string guy, and get you know maybe a couple carries a season, and it's but it's still like a, a top top ten. Is it just the is it just the championships, or is it you know because I would think that that calculation would come into play any you know with any program as far as am I going to be this, am I going to be an, an instant impact on the field? Yeah, I think when, when I speak to a lot of these top recruits' parents, and I think honestly, what it comes down to is like a school like Alabama, a school like Georgia or LSU, they give these kids the best opportunity to go to the next level. These guys know even though they're sitting on the bench, they're a second string or a third string, that Coach O has the connections into the NFL. He played at, you know, Coach Saban. If Coach Saban walks, a bunch of scouts are there, and Coach Saban tells these guys, hey, he hasn't taken a snap yet, but that guy right there is elite. He's an NFL talent. They're going to listen. And I think – these schools give these kids the best opportunity to, you know, to make that jump to the NFL. Not only that, they know, a lot of these scouts know that these guys are getting, getting the, uh, the weight room, the nutrition, even though they're not playing, you know, these guys are growing properly. You know, they're not going mm-hmm. to the smaller type schools where they don't have the funds and the money for these guys to take care, take care of their body, you know, properly. So, uh, you know, I, I'm friends with numerous scouts, and that's what they, you know, they tell me all the time. They're like, we know the third string on LSU is, you know, he's 
he plays and he's going to be an NFL talent over the first string at Memphis. I'll take the third string guy at LSU all day before I'll take the starter at Memphis. I, you know, I don't like to say that, but that's just the truth that comes out of these scouts' mouth. Yeah, that's the LSU FB, FB truth. <laughs> well, uh, based off of that, Josh, uh, with uh, the good camp that John Emery has had, but you know, high expectations for for Clyde and um, and Lard Fournette, you know, both kind of expected to have a breakout year with this new offense. Do you think they mm-hmm. they rest more on those guys, or do they, you know, just let John Emery out of the stable and see what he does, or do they, you think they try and work him in gradually? Yeah, no, I think it's a gradual thing. I think you're going to see Clyde. Clyde come out the gate as kind of the, the workhorse initially. Um, let him take the brunt of the carries and let Emery and Ty Davis, uh, those guys, you know, ease into it. You don't want to crush their, you know, you know their their perspective as far as let's say he gets out there in the first game and, and has a, a drop pass and a fumble, a couple fumbles, and you toss him out there acting like he's going to – He's going to have 20 carries. I don't think they necessarily want that. I think they want him to kind of feel the game out a little bit. Um, so I, I'd imagine, you know, from what I hear and I see that, you know, Clyde's going to be – Clyde's going to carry the workload. But I would say probably by week six or seven, you're going to start, you're going to, start to see that transition to more of the Emory and Ty Davis having, you know, the, the majority of carries. For sure. Uh, also, do you see Derek Stingley starting week one? Uh, I know that's kind of the projection, but uh, just as a true freshman coming straight out, start opposite Christian Fulton? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I completely expect Stingley to start opposite of Fulton. Um, Coach O Coach made that statement public that he will be the starting cornerback. Um, I don't know if you guys – have you guys had the opportunity to um, look at his film or watch him play before? Yeah, me and Daniel saw we were at the uh, at the spring game so we saw his first ever LSU interception and then I've watched a lot of the video kind of that you put up on Twitter and kind of other, you know, LSU footballs put up some stuff. Um and then also the you know the interviews, I mean they 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 tend to say this kid is almost NFL ready. I mean, he's he's like right. a, supposed to be, you know, on another level really. Yeah. Um So what do you guys think is the, I mean from your guys' perspective, what do y'all think? Y'all think he's, you know, he is he going to be the real deal? Is that what y'all see? I, I mean, I, I would I would be lying if I told you, you know, I could I could dissect, you know, a game like a, I don't know, from a real nitty gritty perspective, but just on from right. the way he plays and kind of the intensity that I see. I mean, he's and then of course you know what what you and all the other scouts tend to say. Uh, I think so. You know, I think he's definitely yeah. uh, he's definitely you know another another. Genera- or generational type DB that, that uh, LSU seems to be able to get. Yeah. yeah. To have him just starting week one on a team with a pedigree like LSU's defensive backs is great. And then you even look to the fact that like Kelvin Joseph going in the transfer portal, leaving away, uh, he was uh, a real great player himself. But then the fact that this guy comes in and kind of takes his spot a little bit just right off the bat, and then so he, he must know that the future wasn't too bright for him, which means it is bright for Stingley. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you could say that's a kind of a good sign for the program, even though you lose a talented player like that. Yeah. Um, but do you know if there's been any talk? Uh, is he just going to focus on defense, or do they still consider him in the punt return category? Because that was floated for a little while. And I don't know if they have anybody back there. He seemed like one of the prime candidates, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as 
taking punt returns, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, Coach O made it public last week. He's going to start as, as the punt returner. He'll, he'll be back there. He is. There we go. Yep. Yeah, he'll be the guy taking, he'll be the guy taking punts. Uh, from what I understand in the first scrimmage um, from my sources, and Coach O, he talked about it after, in his uh, conference last week, but I, I had a couple of people that were inside the building that um, he had one punt return basically he took to the house. So he, he took two punt returns. One he broke for about – you know, some good yardage, and the other one, apparently he pretty much took it to the house for a touchdown. So um, everything I'm hearing about it is, you know, he he's, he's living up to the hype, you know. Let me say this, and the reason I asked you guys that was because I'll, I'll break down a lot of film, and I watch a lot of film, and I've been doing it for, you know, 25 years, breaking down film. So he's, in, in my opinion, he's the best defensive back I've ever broke down since Sean Taylor. And I, I'm not sure all you guys' age, but Sean <laughs> Taylor was a safety for the Washington Redskins and for the Miami Hurricanes, and who was just a phenomenal freak high school athlete and who was phenomenal freak in the NFL. Um, I think Derek Stingley is going to be kind of like a Charles Woodson. He, you know, he won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. He's that good. He's the, best, he's the best cornerback I've ever, ever broke down on film before. He's ready to go right now. Um, he's going to be that special, you know what I mean? So that's, it's, I don't like to blow, hype it up too much because, you know, injuries, things happen. Um, but from just my perspective of breaking it all down and breaking down footage on a lot of, lot of guys, he, he's the best I've ever seen. So what, what is it just, and if you could, you know, obviously there's a lot because you said you broke down a ton of film with him, but like what is it that you see? Is it the footwork? Is it, the, you know, is it all the above? Is it his just natural talent and speed? Like, what is it about it that, that makes him? Because there's a lot, you know, they're always incredibly talented people, but um, right. what makes him an absolute cut above? I think what, when you see him, what separates him is the, the physical ability for him at that age. Like he's 6'2", 205, you know, depending on you know, his weight, obviously. I don't know exactly how much he weighs, but he's, he's like, you, like a guy, a guy said, he's, he's NFL ready right now. Like, he is – his body – his height, his speed, like, I know that sounds crazy, but and I, I used to say this about Patrick Peterson. Uh, you could put him in the NFL tomorrow and line him up against, you know, in the NFL on any team, and he would be okay. I'm not saying he would be that shutdown cornerback, but he would be okay. Um, yeah. It's more of the physical build and to be able to have the hips, you know, the, that we, what we refer to as the twitch ability. He has the hips and yeah. the twitch ability that you can't teach. Like, you can't teach that. So he's got the ball skills, the twitch ability, the hips. He runs a 4-3, 40, and combine that on top. A lot of guys have that at his age, but they're 165 pounds. He's 205, <laughs> ready to go. That's really what separates him from anybody else is that he's, he's physically ready to play. Yeah, yeah. and, and I – I do know I do know enough about uh, about the position and about the kind of you know in depth look at it to know that the hips are are really like like you said that twitch um, and that being able to turn turn your hips on a dime and either make a play on the ball or, or kind of move back from like a from uh, man coverage into pursuit. Um, you, yeah, that if if he yeah like you said he's if he's got that and especially at like two hundred five like you said I didn't even know he was that heavy because he doesn't look. Um, he doesn't look like a like a big hulking guy when I've seen him, but no. like but but um I mean he looks kind of skinny I think so yeah he'll probably even put on you think he'll put on anything he'll probably put on more weight as well. 
Yeah, I bet. I mean, he, he's actually, you know, this is, like I say, it's odd that you have a guy come into the program that's kind of where you want him. Like Tommy Moffitt yeah. usually spends, Tommy Moffitt spends so much time getting these guys, making them either lose weight, a Tyler Sheldon, or making them gain weight because they're just so small, you know. So, um, but, you know, he's just a rare, a rare breed of a guy, man, and he's pretty much kind of where you want him right now. You know, he's that yeah. between 195 and 205 is kind of where he fluctuates and, you know, so we'll, I think he'll, he'll add a little bit more mass. But, you know, obviously in that position, you, you don't want to make him too heavy, you know, you know to yeah. lose his athletic ability. So. And, and also they, they always talk about his, his football IQ being so high level. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with if you listen up to Ryan Clark, uh, who teaches DBs in Baton Rouge, um, you know, he he had a good perspective on Stingley. He said, the first time I seen Stingley, I, I didn't want to believe it. If, you know, Ryan Clark played for LSU, now is an uh, analyst for ESPN. He said, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to believe it myself. You know, and that's what he said, I didn't want to believe it. So he said, I kept kept lying to myself saying he can't be that good at 15, he can't be that good at 16. And he said, eventually, I just looked in the mirror one day and said, He's the best I've ever seen, you know. And so, you know, at 16 years old, Ryan Clark, who played for the Steelers for 10 years, who was a pro bowler, who's a big-time analyst, you know, if, if he said he's, he's the real deal, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm seeing uh, – everything I'm seeing on film is, is, you know, is right. Yeah, uh, Stingley's pretty much just the physical embodiment of your Twitter signature, uh, tiger emoji, looking eyes emoji, tiger emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, have you trademarked yeah. that yet, Josh? <laughs> What's that? The the like the, you know the um your your like signature tweet the tiger tiger emoji looking eyes tiger emoji. You know, I've had people ask me before. People say, "Man, I I, I want to post that, but I feel like I'm going to get in trouble if I post that." <laughs> no, it's but, definitely. Um, I mean, no, I haven't trademarked it, man, but. You know, I kind of stuck with it years ago when I had people tell me they like that because the fact is, you know, when they got five minutes on a break time at work, when they see that, they'll stop in quick, real quick, and can read it. You know what I mean? So they, they kind of know that that means I've, I've pushed out some news. So I kind of no, absolutely. No, I think I, I think so because I whenever I see it, I stop and say, okay, this is something I need to see. Um, it's almost yeah. kind of like it's like your version of of when Coach O's you know tweets out, uh, hold, uh, that, hold tiger. that tiger, yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's, you know, I didn't really think of it like that years ago, And but they said, you know, I've had people say, hey, don't stop that because I get 10-minute break at work, and when I see it, I stop, and I, you know, I, I grab the news that I need to see for, for the day. So I just, you know, I've, I've stuck with it. Yeah, got to give the people what they want, I guess. Yep. Um, well, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Josh, because, uh, you know, we went over the injuries of the O-line, but there was actually an injury to a coach and you know, Dennis Johnson, and yeah. they replaced him with uh, you know, a guy that O had coached at USC, and Christian Locator was going to help. But now they brought in Bill Johnson, uh, who was you know, just let go by the Rams, and O said that he was going to be the DL coach for the rest of the year. Like not, not, probably wasn't going to shuffle back you know, if Dennis Johnson got healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So what 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 do you think that'll you think that'll have any uh, impact, good or bad, like naming him the coach two weeks before the season and just like naming him for the rest of the year? Side yeah, I, I mean, me personally, personally, I love the I love the hire. If you guys you know haven't had a chance to go look up his history, 
with Bill Johnson. He goes he goes way back. You know, yeah, he, he was a defensive line coach. Yeah. He coached all way back there at Northwestern. And not only that, he was the defensive line coach for the Saints when they won the Super Bowl. So he was the guy coaching them up. Um, he coached Aaron Donald the last couple of years for the Rams in that great defensive line. Michael Brockers, who was an LSU Tiger. Uh, you know, and I, let me say this, that Coach O is one of the best defensive line coaches in America. People know that. And I think in, truly in his heart he wanted to coach the D-line. But when you're the head coach of a program like LSU, I think he realized he just don't have the time to do it how, he, how it, it's supposed to be done. And I think he don't, want to, he don't want to let the kids down and the team down. So he goes out and asks basically one of his good buddies for a favor. Um, it's nice to have got friends like Bill Johnson, who, you know, who's a stud coach. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, I think I think you're right. It is definitely is a good hire, and it's interesting that Coach O is really kind of you know surrounding himself with um, what seems to be you know it's kind of his 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 inner posse and you know people he's got a ton of experience with. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what he's done from the from the start. He's gotten better. Um, I think he shedded some of the fat that was on the program when when uh, when he first got here. When I say when I mean shedded fat, I think he. There were some individuals, I won't name any names, of people that it, it, it was time for them to go. They had, I think, just kind of collecting a paycheck, and he wanted to get guys in there that really wanted to change the program around and had, had his mindset um, to actually bring LSU back to where, where uh, we expected it to be. Um, so, you know, I like that. And, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you about Coach O. Um, Coach O is not a X's and O's offensive guy. He's just not like, you know, so he knows he has to surround himself with smart guys that know how to run offense, you know, so that's why the Ensminger hire, he hires Joe Brady. Um, if, if you're going to rely on Coach Orgeron to run your offense, it's going to be a long day, boy. So that, uh, <laughs> that's, that's why he surrounds himself and pays those guys well. Um, he's just a defensive guy. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess before we go, we're uh... – we wanted to just talk to you a little bit about um, T.J. Finley because you've got a. You said you know you got a great relationship with him and his his family. Um, he's going into his senior year. Me and Daniel have actually already. Uh, we're we're going to go watch him play um, in September. Daniel, who who are they playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing at Denham Springs outside of Baton Rouge. Yeah. I think in, in uh, yeah September. So yeah, we're going to go watch him play because we want to you know see him for ourselves. But uh, can you talk a little bit about? You know him going into his senior year. He's. I think you know there were some questions, but it seems like he's improved a lot. He had a good uh, kind of good camp season over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, going all those different. He went to the Elite Eleven. Um, yep. So what uh, what can you say about T.J. Finley? As far as T.J. goes, you know, breaking down his film and comparing him to a lot of other quarterbacks in this class. That as far as arm talent goes. He probably has the best arm talent in the entire 2020 class, pure arm talent. Uh, he's a big kid, and he's 6'6", 6'7", 235, 240. So yeah. if, you've ever been around, if you've ever been around kids at 16 years old and that big, they're still learning how to use their body. They, you know, they, they're, they're just so big. I mean, so he'll, he'll get a little more coordinated. His footwork, will once he gets to LSU, you know, they'll work with all that. Uh, and you, it, that's pretty obvious when you see his film and stuff like that. There's little things here and there that that he needs to improve on, but he's he's a lot like Jamarcus Russell was coming out of high school, um, an extremely talented arm talent. Um, 
But TJ, as far as his intelligence, um, how he's raised, his parents, and everything, it's it's at another level than Jamarcus Russell. You know, without getting too much into that side of the house on Russell, that he's he's a smart kid. His mom and dad are pastors in the church that, you know, they raised TJ the right way. Um, you know, he's always making the right decision. So um, he's an intelligent kid. And you take the intelligence and he's raised right on top of the talent. You know, don't be surprised if TJ is the next quarterback that brings LSU back to, to the promised land. And I, and I truly believe that TJ is probably going to be the kid or, you know, I say the young man that will be hoisting up that national championship trophy, you know, when, when LSU does it again. Really? I do think he's that talented, yeah. And and I do th- and I think uh, you'd probably agree. Uh, you know, from what I've seen on his, you know, his Twitter, kind of him talking to as he chats mm-hmm. back and forth with uh, different recruits in the same class, he seems to be a, a, a real guy who wants to take on a leadership role. And of course, you have to you know, there's there's it's built into the position as quarterback. But even before stepping foot on campus, he's you know he's talking up all the different all of his you know future teammates and kind of mm-hmm. commits or or potential commits. Yeah, no, he does a great job of that. If you paid attention last night, he reached out to an offensive tackle that was committed to Arkansas. Um, if you guys remember early in the show, I mentioned LSU needs to close in on, a, on a, another tackle. So he's already ahead of the game. Um, TJ's been recruiting a lot of this class himself, working with the coaches, you know, uh, figuring out who's next, who do we need, who do we want. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a leader, and that's what you want, you know, um, he has to work a little bit more on his accuracy. You know, that's going to come in time. And let me say this about it, too, as far as his accuracy goes. We have to remember he's throwing to high school wide receivers, you know, that guys that, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, it's just – it's different. It's hard yeah. to have a completion percentage up in the 70s when, you know, I mean, we all probably played a little bit of football that we're no ne- nowhere near the elite receiver that Jarvis Landry was when he got to LSU, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, so – He'll, his percentages will go up, his completion percentages. People always say, well, he only completed 58% of his passes, Josh. I said, take a minute and nothing against no other kid in high school. Go look who's playing wide receiver for him. It ain't Odell Beckham, you know. So, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's hard to have 65% completion when, when, you know, when that's who you're throwing to. So, um, and that'll improve, you know. He'll improve. I got to watch him in camp last year with some of the best wide receivers in the country. And uh, it, that was very impressive. He got to play with a lot of the top 20 wide receivers in the country at LSU camp. And uh, that was extremely impressive to see how talented he was with other, you know, high-level talent around him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, can't, right wait to, can't wait to see him play live. Yeah, I, I really want, I want to see him up. I want to see him up close because, you know, you watch a little bit of film here and there. But, um, you know, when you, see, when you see a player play, like, on the field in person, there's always uh, – you really get to see, you know, how they carry themselves yep. and everything. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one thing we like to do here is is make bold claims, <laughs> so saying that mm-hmm. T.J. Finley will will carry them to the promised land. So uh, <laughs> I, I would be happy to buy that signed jersey for you when that happens. <laughs> well, um, well, guys, is that uh, is that pretty much bring it to an end? Any, any last thoughts? I think. I think we kind of covered it all. Um, just you know, more again. Thanks, thanks to uh, okay. thanks to you, Josh, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, you want to plug? You know, obviously you've got uh, LSU F Ball Truth is your Twitter, and you know you're very active on that. But you want to go ahead and plug kind of your um, 
you know, everything else you do? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine, guys. Um, you know, you can follow me at LSU F Ball Truth on Twitter. Uh, I got the website, LSUFBallTruth.com. Um, keep an eye out for that. As the season gets closer here, actually, uh, I'm going to start putting up all the different podcasts and the shows when I go on ESPN and stuff. I'm kind of put all that in one place. I'll start posting that up on the website. Um, I got a couple of things set up with some of the top recruits um, in the 2020 class some interviews. So just keep an eye out from that. And I'll, I'll get that stuff out on Twitter. Um, and, um, you know, as the season goes on, I'll, I'll make some predictions and things like that. Uh, so just keep an eye out. There's always some good content coming up. Thanks. Yeah. We really appreciate having you on. And then uh, we had a lot of fun and hopefully we can do it again sometime soon, uh, either during the season or just whenever, uh, if you'd be down for that. So looking forward to the upcoming season. Going to be a lot of action, a lot of fun. Yeah, of course, guys, anytime. Anytime you guys want me to come on, I will. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Yes, thank you, Josh. And uh, that'll do it for us on Talking Ticks. Once again, I'm Scott Gerard with Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. You can follow us at Talking Tigs, and we're also at Talking Tigs Podcast on Facebook. Uh, thank you, everyone. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>